Isaiah 7, 10 through 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is, not, is it not enough to try the patience of human? Will you try the patience of God, my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Crinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with his wife Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you are also among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Very good. Thank you. The word of the Lord. My wife tells me that I'm not good at taking hints. She also tells me that I miss signs now and then. Usually happens like this. We're driving down the highway and she'll say to me, did you see that sign? And I normally say, what sign? She said, that sign, you know, the big green one we just passed, you need to take the next exit. To which I say something like, how do you know, MapQuest Queen? <laughs> and she says, because of the sign. I say, what sign? The one that we passed, take the next exit. See, it's true, really. I do miss signs every now and then. 
sometimes I miss big signs that should be obvious. Perhaps it's my eyesight. You know, I am getting older. Maybe it's because I'm just driving down the highway of life living in my own little world. Or perhaps it could be that I just want to go my own way. But it's true. It is true. I do miss signs from time to time. How about you? Our three scripture passages this morning talk about signs. There are signs in our daily lives that we pass, and I miss my share of those. But there are also signs that God hangs out on our spiritual journey as we walk through this life with Him. So this morning, on this Christmas Sunday morning, I'd like us to look briefly at those three passages of Scripture. We could take each passage of Scripture and stay there for a while. There is fullness in all three passages of Scripture, but this morning we're just going to touch briefly on each passage of Scripture, and we're going to see if we can't find God's plan unfolding through the ages. Many of the signs that God hangs out on the journey are about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. As far back as Genesis chapter 3, way back there in Genesis chapter 3, God hangs out a sign that says, in essence, the Messiah. Now, you know what's significant about that? Genesis chapter 3. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, our first parents, Adam and Eve, choose the path of disobedience and sin. Not in chapter 1, not in chapter 2. Here we are. Everything's going well in chapter 1, chapter 2 of Genesis. Now we're in chapter 3, and it says in the title of the chapter, The Fall of Man. Adam and Eve choose the path of disobedience and sin. And right after it happens, right after they make that decision, the dust hasn't even settled yet. After making that monumental decision that changed everything, that changed God's good creation forever, right in the midst of that, in verse 15, God says to the serpent, He, the Messiah, will crush your head. In other words, what God is saying is, I know sin just happened. I know it just entered my perfect, beautiful world. But here's my plan about that. The Messiah is coming. And He will crush your head. Or He will win the victory over death, hell, and the grave. Way back there in Genesis chapter 3. The Messiah. You see, brothers and sisters, God had a plan. And that plan changed everything. In both the Jewish and the Christian traditions, the Bible scholars of those two traditions call Genesis chapter 3 
verse 15, the proto-evangelium, which means first gospel. Way back there in Genesis chapter 3. Or you could say God's first sign. And all through the Old Testament, there were more signs. People asked for signs sometimes. God continued to give signs. And then in our passage this morning, in, in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, The Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel. Another sign from God saying, It's all about Jesus couple of chapters later, in in Isaiah chapter 9, the very familiar verse that was read for us as the Advent candles were being written, for unto you a child is born, it says in chapter 9 of Isaiah, prophesying the coming of the Son, the sign is that He's coming, the promise that the sign will come way back 700 years before it actually happened, unto you a child is born. A son is given. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And it is yet another sign from God that says, it's all about Jesus. A sign. The promise that the sign will come. Our second passage of Scripture was Luke chapter 2. Now, this Luke chapter 2 passage, this, this is the classic, beautiful, powerful rendition of the birth of Christ that children everywhere me- were memorized. At least they used to. I did when I was a little five-year-old boy. My mother drilled it into my head so I could recite it on Christmas Sunday. And I did, with my mother mouthing the words in the front row. (laughs) Luke chapter 2. You know, if you really, if you hear somebody reading it, or if you read it yourself, and you close your eyes and use your imagination, you can almost see it unfold right before your eyes. I mean, there's Joseph and Mary, pregnant Mary, by the way, going on that slow painful, laborious journey to Bethlehem. You can just see it happening. Dusty, dirty, cold, on their way to Bethlehem. And then you see the manger scene. It's not the manger scene like we have in our churches. It's the filthy, dirty, smelly manger scene where it all happened. And as you close your eyes, you can then see the shepherds Abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Can can you see it? Can you see it? And then there's the angels that appear and make the announcement. And then there's that verse 12. Verse 12, it says, This will be a sign unto you. You will find the baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Yet another sign from God that says it's all about Jesus, a sign, a sign from God to people like you and me, a sign from God. What's it all about? What does that sign mean? 
Have you ever seen the Charlie Brown Christmas? You ever seen that? I love that movie, that little program. Actually, I really love that movie. And toward the end of that program, Charlie Brown is on a stage. All the kids are up there. They're, they're getting ready to do their Christmas program. And Charlie Brown, you know, the blockhead himself, he raises his head and says, Is anybody able to tell me what Christmas is all about? Linus comes over to Charlie Brown. And he says, Sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Linus and his blanket then move over to the center of the stage. And he says this. This is what Christmas is all about. There were, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And there were with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men blanket and all walks back over to Charlie Brown that's what Christmas means Charlie Brown a sign from God see here's the progression now stick with me on this the sign is promised okay Isaiah the sign is given Luke now, Romans. Let, let me do that again. The sign is promised. The sign is given. And now, we are the sign. <laughs> Paul says, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, I have been set apart for the gospel of God. In other words, God has now placed the promised, received Messiah in Paul's heart. And Paul is to go around and take that everywhere he goes. He has become the sign. Now you transfer that all the way down to today. Has anything changed? What has happened between Paul and us that has changed that? Absolutely nothing. You and I are to be the sign where we live. You and I are to be the sign who have received the Messiah and now go all over where, where we live and work and, and play and all that other stuff and be the sign that says it's real. It works. You see the sign. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. 
kindness, goodness, gentleness, whatever, faithfulness, self-control. You see, the plan is, the progression is, God promised the Messiah, God gave the Messiah, and now the Messiah is in me. And that means something. You know, for 2,000 years we've been celebrating this birth, don't you? Every single person in the sitting here has received or given a present on Christmas. I would, that's, I'm sure that's true. We've celebrated this birth for 2,000 years. But my question is, has it made a difference in our lives? Do we just give presents or have we received the gift of all gifts? So much so that it transforms our lives and we walk around and people see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see what I am? I am a sign to my wife. See, it doesn't just happen here at church. When I leave this place, I don't have to be good because you're not around. But I walk in my front door, my wife's around. My wife needs a sign from me saying, it works, it's true, he's alive. You know what I am? I'm a sign to my daughters. I'm a sign to my kids. I can't fool them. I'm a sign. And if it's true in my life, they'll know it. They'll know that I'm full of love and joy and peace and all the others instead of full of you know what. You see, brothers and sisters, God, He had this plan. I'm promising you what will make the difference of all differences in the world. I've given you what will make all the difference in your world. And now you are to receive that and live like the difference works. You see, Crystal, if if, if Christian's going to follow Christ, he's got to see it in his mom. He's got to see it in Ruth and Brian. He's got to see it. He's not just not going to be osmosis. He's got to see it. He's got to live it. Brothers and sisters. Does it all matter? Does it make any difference? Has it made any change in your life? This... Messiah, all this trouble God has gone to, to make a difference, to send His Son, His Son that will absolutely change everything. His Son who can so transform you that whatever is the matter in your life can be changed when He comes in and fills your heart and life. We celebrate the day but do we live the life? It's kind of like when young couples come in and talk to me about getting married. I try and tell them, you got to put far more into the marriage than the wedding. You see, you got to put far more into the life than Christmas morning. The sign was promised. The sign was received. Do you know what Christmas means? God 
keeps His promises. You know what Christmas means? It means God can be trusted. You know what Christmas means? It's all true. So now, receive it. Live in it. Be transformed by it. Brothers and sisters, this is the answer. Jesus Christ was born. In the 1800s, there was a man named William Dix who was born in England. When he was 29 years old, he contracted a very serious life-threatening illness that made him bedridden for months. As he was laying in bed and couldn't get out, he developed severe depression. As he was in that situation in life, seeking whatever, whatever was out there, from the living God. Is it true, God? He would pray, God, does it work for me? As he was seeking God in his depressed state, he wrote 40 hymns. One of the hymns he wrote was called The Manger Throne. Sometime later, he took three verses out of that song, The Manger Throne, and wrote it, into the Christmas carol that we sing even today called, What Child Is This? Will you ask that with me this morning? Who are you, Jesus? Who are you? Can you make a difference in my life? Now listen here, there, there's, there's some folks here today, I mean there may be, that don't believe it. And I'm praying right now that Satan would get behind you. Because listen to me now, listen to me close, this is it. Not because I say so, but because he says so and I've experienced it. Anybody else? You see, would you ask this? Who are you, Jesus? Can you do for me, me, what you say you can do? I mean, is it true? Brothers and sisters, listen. It's only true when you accept Him. When you receive Him. It doesn't depend on your spouse or your child or your co-worker. It depends on you. The first step at changing your situation is getting as close to the Savior as you possibly can. Somebody say amen. Is it true? So as we sing, we're going to sing what child is this. There's a, there's a line in the chorus that says, haste, haste. To bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Laud means praise, honor, glory, or in my vernacular, giving Christ his due. It says, haste, 
Haste to bring Him, Lord. Hasten, go quickly to the Savior and give Him His due. Let Him do for you what He says He can. Open your heart to Him like never before. And let Him fill you with all He has to fill you with. And let Him know that you are His and He is yours. And then you become a sign to the people that you come in contact with. Let's sing this together.